at this time of the year, there's a lot, there's always in, in almost every facet of life and every, you know, commercial that you see and every presentation that you hear, it's all about the new and what we got to do to get started off on the right foot. And one of the words that, that gets thrown around a lot, not just at the, new, at the beginning of, the, of a new year like this, but in my opinion, just too much in general, is this word foundational, right? Like everything is like this, this foundation. Is, I, I feel like I hear that in a lot of different places and a lot of different areas right now. But, but I think that it's accurate and applicable to say that this new series that we're starting today called Building Blocks is just that. We're going to talk about the foundational things that, that make up the life of a follower of Christ. And uh, I got pretty excited when we started putting ideas together for this series that it was going to be themed around Lego because I'm a Lego nerd. I love Lego. I love it. I, I enjoy putting stuff together. I got a nephew that's into it. So he and I swap Lego sets for Christmas and birthdays now. And that's kind of cool. And um, I just, I enjoy Lego. Like I always have, even since I was a kid, I've been a big fan. And so when we decided to make everything Lego themed, uh, I got pretty, I got, I got nerded out on that stuff a little bit. So I'm pretty excited about it. Um, now, I, uh, I tend to refer to, to Lego, like the bricks as Legos. I know that's not right. I know that they're called Lego bricks and that Lego is the company. If it bothers you that I call the bricks Legos, I have a counselor that I'd be happy to introduce you to because you got issues. Uh, you shouldn't be that concerned and it shouldn't bother you so much that I call the Lego bricks Legos because that's what my parents called them when they would yell at me to pick up my Legos I wasn't that, that jerk of a kid that was like, um, excuse me, they're Lego bricks. Like, I didn't do that. Because that's how you get hit when you're a kid. You know what I mean? So, um, so I call them Legos, uh, even though I know that they're called Lego bricks. If you didn't know that, you learned something today. You're welcome. All right? They're not called Legos. They're called Lego bricks. But um, here's, what, here's, why, here's why I think that it was appropriate that we, we themed this series uh, around Lego. Because uh, I don't know anybody that hates Legos, right? You may, you may not, you might not be a nerd. Like you might not be like a geek out, total nerd out over some Lego stuff, but nobody hates Lego. And, and I think, I think that all of us could be impressed or are impressed by some of the things that we've seen people construct out of Legos. Uh, I, 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 I brought some pictures to show you just like, if you're not impressed with Lego yet, you should be because... Um, you can do that. I mean, you can't, but I mean, somebody could do this and then like, what, we got another one. Yep, look at that. Like, I don't even want to know how many hours. Look, a whole car. And then I thought this one, the next one might be the most impressive. Look at this, right? I, that, that's that's impressive. I don't care if you can, if you like Legos at all, that's impressive. But here's the thing about pictures like that there's a couple of truths about all of those creations that we saw pictures of um, first of all they had to have the right pieces right yeah they had to have the right pieces they had to have the right amount of the right pieces and then they had to have the right pieces in the right amount put in the right 
places. So right pieces, right amount, right places. And the same thing is true for you and for me. If, if we want to have a life that is, that is enjoyable, that is purpose-filled, that, that feels like we're accomplishing something, that, that it has meaning and purpose, then, then we have to have the right pieces of things in our life. We have to have the right, the right elements in our life. We have to have them in the right amount and we got to put them in the right places. Now, at Fusion City Church, we teach that there are, that there are three big pieces that, that you really need that need to be incorporated into your life. We believe that you need to have a, a deep love for your creator and your designer. Like we, we believe that, that you, you should have a deep love and appreciation for your heavenly father. You should have a relationship with the one that created you. But we believe that you should also, in addition to that, have great relationships with other people, that all of us were created to exist and live and thrive in relationship, though you were, you were created as a relational being. And so you should have relationships with other people. And then we believe that you should have a regular rhythm of interacting with other people in a way that, that, that makes them want to be part of the same family of faith that, that you are, that, that you should have a deep love and appreciation for God. You should have a deep love and appreciation for people. And that you should have a regular rhythm of interacting with other people in your life in a way that, that inspires, in a way that, that comforts, in a way that in, encourages. You might have heard us say it this way. We believe that the life of a follower of Christ should be one that's that's marked and characterized by a love for God, a love for others, and a willingness to serve the world. We say it like this, love God, love people, and serve the world. There's your, there's your series overview. That's what we're gonna talk about throughout this series, starting today with this idea of a deep love and appreciation for your heavenly Father. Love God. I mean, that just, that just seems like something that we should say, right? Like something that we should do. That's, that's a foundational building block of your faith is that you should have a love for God. But here's the problem with using the word love, right? Love has a lot of different definitions. When we, when we say love God, that's the, that's the right piece, right? That we, we should, we should love God. That's the right Peace, but that, that's only one part of the equation that makes a beautiful creation, right? You, you gotta have more than the right peace. You gotta have it in the right amount and you gotta put it in the right places. So what are, or what is the right amount and where are the right places for our love for God? See, when I, when I say love God, I believe that that means that it should inform every facet of our lives, that it should inform every portion and place in our life. Now, spoiler alert, you'll never perfectly love God on this side of eternity. It, it is a lifelong pursuit that won't be completed and perfected until we enter into his presence fully. But that doesn't mean that we don't get to enjoy the journey. I, I love my wife. 
And I am perfect. I, I am as much as I am able pursuing her to try and learn more and more and more about her. And it's a lifelong pursuit. Every year that I'm married to her, I learn more about her than I did the year before. And it's, a, it's an enjoyment for me to be in the pursuit of knowing her more this year than I did in the last. And the same thing is true of our love for God. It should inform every part of us. And there should be a passion attached to that that says, all I want, what I want for my life is to know God more and more and more and more. But I, I don't know that that's true for all of us. I think that for, for many of us in the room, maybe some of you who are watching online with us as well, when I say a deep love for God, you, you tell yourself, oh yeah, I, I love God. But in fact, you're probably more, you're probably more like a fan, like a fan of God. There was an author a couple of years ago named Kyle Ottoman that wrote a book called Not a Fan. And this was the whole, this is his book helped me to, to give language to this idea of the difference between actually loving God and just being a, a fan of God. Here's what I mean when I say fan. I'm a fan of the things that God, like I, I stand back and I look and I'm like, wow, God does some pretty awesome stuff. I'm a pretty big fan of that. Like I like some of the things that God does. You see, in, in this life where we live, whether you have a relationship with God or not, you have been extended what, what we in the church know or this, this doctrine of what we call common grace. It's the grace that is given to every single created person on the face of the planet, whether they have a relationship with God or not. It's extended to all of mankind. It is the grace of God that withholds his wrath and his punishment. It, there's also common grace that withholds the, the totality of evil that is within each and every one of us. Now, I think sometimes and in some cases, God, God loosens the, the, the impact of that common grace on some people so that we can get to see a picture of how evil the world would be if there were no common grace for all of mankind, right? I think like the Purge movies, right? Like if, if I don't know if you guys watch the Purge movies. I probably shouldn't confess that I watch the Purge movies, but I watch the Purge movies. And like that for me is a picture of what unbridled evil looks like. And because that isn't the state of our world, that is the result of God's common grace that withholds some of the evil or the, the totality of the evil in the world and allows us to enjoy life, whether we're a follower of Christ or not. That's common grace the grace given to all of humanity. But then there's, a, there's another measure called special grace or saving grace given to those of us who have a relationship with God. Those who actually love, have a deep-seated love and affection and passion for our heavenly Father. It's where we want, we want to know. There's a, there's a desire and a passion and a yearning so much that there's, there's strategy and there's intention and there's, there's passion behind our efforts to know him more today than we did yesterday, to know him more this year than we did the year before. It's a, it's a pursuit, much like mine with my wife. To love God is to, is to want to be with him and to know him. And if, if that's already true of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. 
But if it's not, if there isn't this deep yearning and passion and desire to be in a, a deeper relationship with God this year than there was the last, if it's just commonplace, if, it's just, if you're just kind of, you, you like the things of God, but there's not a deep personal relationship with them, then you probably don't love God. You're probably just a fan. And it would be my encouragement to you today to, to, to get out of the bleachers and get into the game to truly pursue a relationship with God. For me, I believe that the best way we do that, the best possible way for us, because of our love for God, the best possible way for us to pursue and seek and, and fulfill this passion to, to know him more is to carefully, consistently, and intentionally study his word. Because what we have in the Bible is not just some, some collection of writings. It's, it's more than that. It's better than that. It's, it's, it's the inspired word of God recorded for us by men. The best way to learn about God is to read your Bible. I don't know if you guys knew that or not. That's the best resource that we have. And so um, th this is what the Bible says about itself. Uh, sometimes people don't understand when we talk about the Bible being the inspired word of God, Peter wrote a defense of the writings of scripture as it was being compiled into the Bible that we have today. He said this about it, 2 Peter chapter 1 I'll read verse 16 and then jump down and grab 19 through 21. He says, For we did not follow cleverly contrived myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Instead, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. This wasn't something that we just heard about. This is something that we witnessed. Verse 19, we also have the prophetic word strongly confirmed and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you know this, no prophecy of scripture comes from the prophet's own interpretation because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, Men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So, so here's what Peter's getting at. We shouldn't just read to, to try and finish this. We're, we're searching the scriptures because it is the revealed word of God to humanity, inspired by the Holy Spirit, recorded for us by men. You're not reading to finish. I don't know if you guys were like me, but when I was in school, like I would, I'd cram a book just so that I could write enough to get the book report passed, right? Like that's, that's not what we're after. We're, we we want to have a deep understanding. It's not a book report. It's not a mortgage disclosure or any of those terms and agreements things that you say you read when you scroll to the bottom and click, I agree. It's none of those things. Like we, we want to carefully search the scriptures. 
for me, I, I do best when I'm, when, when I'm alone. Because I think that the most poignant conversations that I've ever had with another person are the ones when it's just the two of us. And, and so I think it's appropriate then that when we, um, when we decided to, to, to come up with a, a more concise way of talking about how we study scripture as a church, that we call this me time. Because the last thing that I need when I am super stressed, when I have important decisions to make, when life is, is throwing curveballs and difficulty in my way, the last thing that I need is more time in my own head with no other resource. I don't know if it's true for you, but I know that it's true for me. When I, when I just sit and mull over my own thoughts, I don't make things better. They get worse in my head. The worst case scenarios play out. What I need the most when I'm stressed or finding myself in difficult times is I don't need more of me in my me time. I need more of God and me in my me time. And so we've, uh, we've come up with a, an, an acronym and a way of studying scripture that we just call me time. Pastor Quentin was actually the, 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 the the genesis of this idea. He, he, he summarized a lot of the, the, the tools and practices that we put into place into a, a two-letter acronym called Me Time. And this is what it is. It's, we, don't, we don't get it much, much better. It's meaning and engagement. M-E. It's not just Me Time. It's an acronym as well, standing for meaning and engagement. So let's talk for just a few minutes about those two elements of how we study scripture. We're gonna spend a lot of time on, on meaning and then we'll talk about engagement as well. So to help you get started, or for some of you as a reminder, because we talk about this stuff all the time, um, we wanted to give you some helpful steps for how to discover the meaning of a passage. So you should be reading your Bible every day, if that hasn't been clear yet. This is like an everyday thing, like you should be reading your Bible every day uh, for our connect groups, we do a chapter a week. We're asking you to read that chapter over the course of a week. Take your time, go slow, practice the steps that we're about to give you. So the first thing you're gonna look for, the first thing you wanna consider when reading any passage of scripture to help you determine the meaning is you wanna know who wrote it and who they wrote it to. So we're talking about author and audience. So there's your first write it down thing. This is the first thing you're looking for, author and audience. You're like, okay, Pastor Brian, why is that important? All right, let me show you what I mean. Um, I wanna read you a letter that was written to me. It's a love letter. All right, here we go. My dearest Brian, I can't begin to tell you how much loving you has changed my life. I never knew I could love this deeply or feel this good just by being around someone else. I know other people have said this, but I truly feel as though no other person in the history of mankind has loved someone as much as I love you. From the first time that I pressed my lips to yours, I knew my life was never gonna be the same. I've never felt so connected to another person as I did the first time I felt the warmth of your naked body against my own skin. I can't imagine life without you and I'm so grateful that you are mine. Love now and forever. Mom. <laughs> See how it just got weird? All right, my mom didn't write that letter. 
nor did my wife. But I wrote that letter to me to show you the, the importance of an author and an audience. It changes the connotation. I mean, it could have been about a baby, no warm naked. You know, you get it? Like, you know, you get it. But, but, but that's, it matters. Author and audience, it matters. Now, if you're unsure of, of who wrote something or the audience to which it was written, most Bibles these days include an introduction to every book of the Bible now, so you can find that um, in, in your Bible. If not, Google. Google has all the information, all of it, like all, the, all of the information. It's in Google. You can always find who wrote a book and who they wrote it to. The second thing that we're going to look for, the second, uh, the second thing we're looking for in Scripture are these things called absolute words. Absolute words denote a command, always, never. Uh, in anything that is in totality, never should you, not ever. Any of, anything that denotes an absolute, there is all of something or there is nothing of something. These are things that usually help us find promises in scripture. Uh, the... So yeah, absolute words. Anytime the Bible says always, never, or this should be the case, those things matter. We're looking for the definitives because we're not looking for suggestions. We're looking for commands. So absolute words is the second thing that we look for. The third thing we look for are repeated words or phrases. Every time the Bible says something more than one time, it wants us to know it and not forget it. So it repeats itself for emphasis. There is one piece, one piece of rock and roll trivia that I will never, not ever in my life be able to forget. And it's the result of an awful song written by a worse band when I was a teenager that sounded like this. You know what I'll never forget? The drummer for Def Leppard's only got one arm. I'll never forget it. Because the Bloodhound Gang put it in a song that played on the radio. When the Bible repeats something, it wants you to know that that's important. Let me show you what it looks like in actual scripture. I feel like we need some Bible after that. It's Romans eleven thirty six for from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him. Be the glory forever. Amen. You see how often Paul says it's him? It, this, this, this is all about him. It's for him. It's through him. It's to him. It's because of him. And to him belongs all the glory. It's him. Him, 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 him. That's a repeated phrase. That's something to look for as you study through Scripture. And then the last thing that I'm going to ask you to look for, just to help you get started in this me time effort, is cause and effect. Cause and effect. Anything that happens as the result of something else. I like big butts. There's a lot of them in the scriptures, right? Big butts in scripture. There's where there's one, things are one way, then there is a but. I see what I mean. Like, aha, big butts. Yeah, it's, 
you got it. So where there are these, these significant changes because of the word, but that's a cause and effect. Let me give you three examples. Psalm 73, verse 26. My flesh and my heart, they fail. My heart and my flesh are, are weak. So they fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Y'all like that big bud, right? Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. What you owe for your sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. One more. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. No temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. You, everything that you're experiencing, all the temptation that you have, it's common. It happens to everybody. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to bear it. All of those verses include cause and effect. And as we look for those in scripture, when we read through, what you'll find is that, that, that as we look for these things, like that as we understand who wrote it and who it was written to, when we find the absolute words, when we look for cause and effect, when we find repeated words and phrases, when all of those things are, are, are being identified in scripture, what you're gonna see is that the pages of scripture light up and you begin to find the promises of God and you, 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 you grow into this deeper, more passionate understanding of, of who he is and how he relates to you. How he relates to you. That's how you find the meaning of a text. It's, it can be more complicated than that in the back of your, the book that you just got today. That there are some instructions on the very last page. Um, there's, there, are, there are some instructions walking through some of the things that I just showed you. There's a QR code for a, an even greater in-depth study or in-depth process of how to study scripture. We, we wanted to give those, you access to those things so that you'd be able to study scripture on your own and by yourself in your me time. You gotta do it. If you love God, you will, because a love for God is a deep-seated passion to know him more. And the best way to know God is to study the scriptures. Now, studying does you absolutely no good if there is an application of it, Right? I don't know about you, but I don't want the doctor that's performing his first surgery. I don't care how many years of school he had. I don't want him in that room by himself with somebody that's never done it before. Because experience matters. Application matters, which is why we don't just want the meaning 
we're also finding ways that we can engage with it, that we can apply what we learned from the meaning, how we engage with that and apply it to our life. That's the second step. If you miss the second step, what's the point of reading it all? You can go through, and I know that there are a lot of people that I've met, you've met a lot of people that know the Bible really well and they're mean and they're awful people. And don't you think, hey, how about you apply some of that stuff you learn? It don't matter how well you know the Bible if it doesn't translate into how you live. So you not only only need the meaning, you also need to engage with it and put it into practice. Sometimes that's the hardest step. It's really, it's it's easier to understand it than it is to apply it. But that's, that's the life of a follower of Christ. A love for God enough to pursue him and then a willingness to do what he says. So here's what I wanna do. Uh, for the last few minutes that we have together here this morning, um, I just wanna lead us in a prayer to, to start our, our year off. So if you would, right where you sit, would you just, uh, would you just bow your heads? And I'm just gonna give you a few things to, 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 to have a conversation with, to have a conversation around with your, your heavenly father. In this moment, would you, would you confess to God the areas last year where you were inconsistent in your prayer or Bible reading, would you just tell God, God, I know there were times when I was distracted. There were times that I should have come to you that I didn't. Maybe list a few instances where God, I should, have, I should have brought you in on this instead of trying to do it in my own strength. Would you just tell them about some of that? Would you confess and apologize for where you, fall, where you fell short? Would you tell God some of the great things that you saw him do in, in this last year? Some of the things you're most grateful for? Would you just tell them about some of those things? And would you, in the next few moments, ask God to give you the strength and the boldness and the willingness for the things that you believe he wants to do in and through you this year. Maybe, maybe you could tell him, God, I don't, I don't know what you want from me, but whatever it is, God, I'm in. I'm in. You ask, I'll go. You say, I'll do it. Father, 
so grateful for the kind of God that you are. We're so grateful that you loved us so much that that you not only gave us a way back into relationship with you through Jesus, your son, but God, you also gave us a way to, to know you intimately, deeply, personally through your word. God, I pray that's not something that we'd take lightly, but that we would understand what a miracle it is that we have access to your words, your truth, your purpose. a God for our, our lives, a hope for our futures. And God, I, I can't help but imagine that none of us would look back and say that we followed you perfectly in 2022. Chances are, God, we're not gonna follow you perfectly in 2023 either, but God, we are willing as your children, as those who love you to do it with as much passion and fervor and intentionality as we can so father help us holy spirit lead us guide us help us because we want 2023 to be the year maybe for the first time ever that we follow god as completely as possible. So God, would you give us the tools to do so? We thank you, God, that you love us enough to give us your son. It's in his name I pray. Amen and amen.